So for our book fair project, we decided to focus on Bethany Hamilton. Um, She is in a movie called Soul Surfer and also has a book about her. So Bethany Hamilton is a 13-year-old professional surfer who was born in Hawaii and was out surfing with her best friend when she was attacked by a 14-foot tiger shark on October 31st, 2003. While lying on her board, Hamilton suddenly felt an intense pressure on her left arm and was pulled into the water being thrashed around by the shark until she was finally let go, which at the moment seemed to end, seemed like it ended her career dream as a surfer. Hamilton didn't let anything stand in her way of surfing again, and one month after the accident, she was surfing again, and within two years, won her first national surfing title. During our podcast, we decided as a group that we are focusing on her after her attack, as occupational therapist. So this is after her discharge from the hospital. And at the time she is 13 years old. And then Jonathan, if you want to discuss your OBM. So for the OBM, I decided to choose the Kawa model, which focuses on the hindrances and obstacles that prevents an individual from achieving successful independent occupations. It's a mouthful. And it talks about how are we going to address the obstacles in order to maximize potential successful independent self-care? Where exactly does the OT step in to help address barriers, obstacles, and hindrances on the client's life? The client, in this case, of course, Bethany Hamilton. And just before we dive deeper, I just thought it was really amazing how she she lost her whole entire upper left extremity and it was all the way up to her shoulders so like that is gonna of course gonna be like a focus in the call model like where is she mentally does she want to move on to like to go back into the waters her emotional status her support system and somewhere somewhere in the book it talked about her potentially moving to a different career path I think she said specifically snowboarding, like she she wanted to move to the mountains. So the Kawa model is going to address that too. Like what's the level of motivation that she has? Does she want to even get back to the water? Abby, what did you choose for your OBM? For my OBM, I chose MOHO, which is also known as the model of human occupation. And in comparison to Kawa um, Moho is focused on explaining the volitional processes, roles, and habits that guide and structure people's participation in occupation, as well as motor, process, communication, and interaction skills that underlie performance and the subjective experience of engaging in occupation. So for me, I thought that MOHO would allow me to further understand Bethany's input and environment, specifically the impact of the shark attack on all of the aspects of her life, including skills, roles, values, habits, and routines, as well as how her volition changed from before the shark attack to what it might be now after the attack. And this, the history of MOHO is that it was published in 1980 by Dr. Gary Kielhoffner. What did you choose for your OBM, Erin? 
So for my OBM, I chose the Canadian Model of Occupational Performance. So the Canadian Model of Occupational Performance guides occupational, occupation-centered practice and should suggest that occupational therapy should focus on enabling the occupational performance, engagement, and the performance of self-care, productivity, and leisure. So this model is client-centered. Um, and I chose this one based off the client-centered aspect because she got bit by a shark, she got out of the hospital, and then everything that she wants to do is to get back to surfing. Like Jonathan said, she wanted to potentially change her career path, but at the same time, her whole main goal is to get back to surfing and having a client-centered model would be looking at her goals and what she would like to accomplish regarding her capacities to continue to serve. So this OBM also implements occupational engagement. So it broadens the scope of occupational therapy practice to help characterize people's social participation occupations. So Bethany's goal is to get back to get back on her surfing board. And this was my focus as an occupational therapist for her. Um, I also chose this because the motivation for this OBM is due to its client-centered aspect, is created by the client's participation and in identifying her meaningful goals and occupational priorities. So in Bethany's case, she had a high motivation to get back into the water and to get back to surfing, which helped create meaning meaningful goals um, in order to do so. And the focus of the OBM meets the client's needs by being client-centered and doing what Bethany would like to focus on so it creates that more meaningful um, therapy sessions, which would motivate her to want to get back in the water and complete her therapy. So Jonathan, do you wanna um, talk about how you analyzed your OBM? Well, the OBM, it, there's so much that, that goes into this OBM, the column model. Like it talks about water, it talks about the riverside walls, the riverside Bed, the riverbed, the rocks, driftwood, um, the spaces between everything that I just said. And so there was this guy named Dr. Michael Iwama, and he created the Kawa model in order to implement OT into Japan. And the concept of occupational therapy was so foreign to Japanese culture that students had difficulty in grasping the concepts, principles, and values that come with occupational therapy. So for instance, like the American culture, it highly celebrates individualism. Like if you think about it, most teenagers specifically at 18, they're expected to move out. They go to college or whatever, they pick up their first job. And then you also just take care of yourself first and foremost. But in the collectivist culture, like Japan, like the group mentality comes first. Your actions, your decisions, they're all determined on whether or not they serve your family, your friends, your immediate community, just your circle, your, your group. So you prioritize your individual self a little bit below the group, but it's not to say one cultural approach is better than the other. So Dr. Michael Iwama, he wraps all of this and he gives it to a collectivist culture, specifically Japan, by utilizing water, which addresses like the fluid and ever-changing flow of energy, cognition, emotions, and physical impairments. And life flow can be shaped just as water takes the form of its container. Like if you put water in a cup, it takes the form of a cup. You put it in a teapot, it 
is shaped like a teapot. So what do you think a shark attack would do to Bethany's energy, cognition, emotions? A 13-year-old prodigy just lost her whole entire left arm. She loses her favorite surfboard. She needs to relearn how to surf. She needs spinal realignment. The water in the column model is just simply going to deplete and it becomes disrupted. The riverside walls, the riverside bed, it all represents social and physical environment of Bethany and makes up the greatest factor of life flow in the collectivist social frame. It also includes, but not limited to, family, friends, mentors, therapists, like PTs, ATs, and most importantly, OTs. But um, in the case of Bethany, she specifically worked with PTs. The rocks in the model represent perceived challenges and life circumstances that are difficult to remove. So visually, the model will represent the magnitude of the obstacles by displaying a larger rock boulder. Smaller obstacles, smaller rock. And these vary in sizes, shape, and even color. Overall, the rocks, they diminish the flow, the life energy of, of the water. Fear and trauma of returning to the water for Bethany's case, the lack of ability to properly surf, lack of ability to stand on the surfboard, the lack of ability to paddle straight with one upper extremity limb, lack of ability to perform her basic ADLs, all of that is, is symbolized by the rocks. The driftwood represents value, character traits, personality, knowledge, experience. These can either be positive or negative. Like negative traits would impede and block the life flow of water. How are her communication skills? Is she socially isolating herself? Is she depressed? Does she have self-deprecating thoughts? Does she have poor body image of herself? Does, she, does her intrinsic motivation like waver here and there? Positive traits can possibly help facilitate life flow. The fact that she was a like young age, like 13, 14, like, like compared to someone that's 48, 84, like a 13, 14 year old, like highly resilient. Younger individuals have a higher chance of becoming simply resilient. She simply wants to go back into the water due to her high intrinsic motivation. So we can grasp and utilize her high intrinsic motivation and work it with her when we implement an intervention. And the spaces between all of these components, specifically the spaces between the riverside walls and the riverside bed represents the method for defining occupation or opportunities problem solve. And this is we, where we as OTs maneuver and practice to foster support and growth. And there was a huge mouthful. Like there's so many ways that we could use the column model for Bethany. And I, in my opinion, like no offense, I think the column model is the best way to go with her. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I mean, after hearing this and after discussing it previously in class, I thought that your model fit better with her therapy needs and what she needed to do to get back into the water. And then, so I chose the Canadian model of performance, and this identified the key items that interact the effect occupational performance and occupational engagement. So I had two approaches when it comes to establishing goals, which they were direct and indirect, and 
the direct is client-centered while the indirect is analysis-centered. Um, this was developed so that the client is able to interact with their environment and to be sole purpose, to be the sole purpose and focus of what they want to do and their motivation. So I thought that was really cool because she's still able to focus on those aspects in her life and adapt to everything around her because of her limb loss. And it's not easy going from someone who has two arms, to someone who recently just lost an arm and has to readapt to their entire environment, how to cut and how to put on clothes and all the, all those types of aspects. And then this model displayed the effect of occupational performance and occupational engagement that relates to the person's occupational environment. So for her having a limb loss, it's, it affects everything. It affects her. It affects the way she lives day to day and her occupation. So being able to surf again um, and then her environment is being able to cook, clean, do everything that she used to do and try to stay as independent as possible. But then going back to you, Jonathan, your model really shows a lot of everything tied together. And I think that it really represents her case very well and has good meaning for her. So I really enjoy it that you were able to bring that up to us because I, I greatly enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Because I, th I thought it was a great choice because Hawaii in itself, it's like, it's this whole different culture. And it's, I've never been to Hawaii, but my best friend has. And he's always talking about how it's like a whole different planet. And I know surfing itself is a whole different culture. So the word culture just kept getting thrown around and culture just led me to think of Kawa because it's so, its sole purpose was just to address culture. Like how do you translate traditional OT, conventional OT into a whole foreign, different culture? So like Kawa itself is just like a medium to translate everything to someone that's, that's like foreign to OT. But the problem is, is that before you like even analyze or apply it, you have to get the client on board. <clears throat> and Bethany is probably going to be like kind of hesitant to even utilize this or practice this model because it's so, it's not traditional at all. Like traditional, like moho, like Abby's, it's just not, it's just straightforward. Kawa, on the other hand, it's just, it's foreign. It might be weird, but yeah, it, it works. Abby, how did you analyze your OBM? So as I mentioned previously, the key principles of MOHO include volition, habituation, occupational identity, and occupational performance. Um, so volition is the process by which people are motivated toward and choose the activities that they want to do. So for Bethany, as we've mentioned, she is highly motivated by the water as well as returning to her life as a surfer that she held prior to her injury. Um, but we also see in the book that she is highly motivated by Christianity and her relationship with Christ. And then habituation is the behaviors and roles that help a person organize their daily lives. So for Bethany, this 
is seen as her role as a daughter as well as a sister within her family and most importantly a professional surfer and a Christian and then lastly her occupational identity or composite sense of self and who one is and also wishes to become as an occupational being is seen as her self as a surfer and returning to surfing and maintaining her occupation as so. Um, and I felt like most importantly for her, she wanted to maintain her independence and to not have to rely on anyone after her injury. Um, so I felt like there was such a large impact in her motivation with the water and surfing as well as her Christianity. Um, and I really appreciated Jonathan's model because of how it ties in um, water and all these natural elements. And Jonathan, you mentioned that that might be strange for Bethany, but I also think because it is out of the box, she might feel compelled to that model, but it is hard to say. Um, but I do believe that Jonathan, the Kawa model, fits great with Bethany. And I think if she decided to move forward with the Kawa model, that it would work really well for her. Um, Jonathan, what interventions did you come up with and decide to use? And what assessment tool did you want to use within the Kawa model? So the assessment, I, I found this article which utilizes the Kawa model. And they use like a five-point Likert scale response. They use like an occupational questionnaire. I thought that would be perfect because, <clears throat> well, the whole point of the article was to have an understanding of how healthcare employees and counselors they would, how they would perceive hiring individuals that will have deficits like cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy, and how they would judge hiring process compared to other individuals like neurotypical individuals. And the way they approached it was using, like I said, the occupational questionnaire, five-point like a scale, open-ended responses. And they had a grading scale for these responses. So for an assessment tool, I would do the same approach with Bethany. I would want to do a OQ with a five-point Likert scale for responses and also a separate free response type of thing. How I would grade the responses depends on the questions and the number of questions. And the hope is to create like a visual model that's somewhat therapeutic while she responds. And it will help me or us as an OT to have a better understanding of her life. And also in the process, Bethany will have some sort of like enlightenment or insight and have a whole different perspective on where she stands in life. Like, where is her mental health status? What type of emotions are she, is she dealing with? Does she even get back? Does she even want to get back to the water? And I just realized this, Abby, until you pointed this out, like the fact that Kawa uses water and Bethany's first true love is water. Like I didn't, never put that two connection together. For like an intervention, I would use uh, like, I guess like, time period like it has to be slow it has to be steady the learning curve has to be it can't be too steep so the intervention will take course of like 
of like let's say five weeks because that was the time period that the um, the study took. So the study like general steps included like an introduction. They included evidence based practices. They had a team collaboration for week one, and they there was an education on the call model for week two. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were goal setting and interpersonal relations for week three, problem solving and role clarification for week four, team collaboration with the, with the column model implemented on, for week five. So each week there was like little by little like improvement and installations of more and more interventions. And I thought there was like this graded approach is perfect as time goes on with the column model, with education, with goal setting and role clarification, like hopefully Bethany will go through this therapeutic process of understanding of where she is in life with all these different symbolisms, the water, the driftwood, the rocks, the size of the rocks, the color of the rocks, her support system, the riverbed, the river walls, all of this will, get, will give her an insight of where she is in life. Is she going to even get back into the water? That's going to be addressed in week two. How is she going to get back into the water week three? It's all about a graded intervention approach. Erin, like, how did you come up with an assessment intervention? So for my assessment intervention, so based off of my evidence, um, I gathered information from an article um, which is called an evaluation of the Canadian model of occupational performance and the Canadian occupational performance measure and mental health practice. Um, this looked at how to formulate an occupational therapy assessment um, based on CMOP and it incorporated the model to evaluate its effectiveness in mental health practice. Um, I thought that it was kind of difficult to find an article based off of like limb loss in general, but I did find that this article was important because even though we weren't able to necessarily read um, and tell if she was having mental health issues, obviously she did doubt some fear. She was worried that she would never get back to where she is. So I could only imagine that maybe she was going through something because I mean, she lost her entire arm and it was such a tragic accident. Um, so the CMOP, um, study demonstrated that combining that OBM with other performance components, environmental categories is seen to be successful by occupational therapists and mental health. Um, and that's also another reason why I thought it was important because it is seen as a very successful and strong based evidence off of CMOP in general because of that client-centered factor. Um, this study developed from a lack of occupational therapy assessment forms and outcome measures being observed in clinical mental health practice. So I applied this OBM based on her mental health due to the article and the book, but um, obviously without the emotional aspect of like maybe seeing her in person right now, it's hard to tell if this was a good one. Um, but from the book, it did state that she experienced a great amount of doubts and fears of the unknown after her attack, and luckily with the support of her family and friends and everyone that followed along with her story, she said that the hope I found as a Christian led me to overcome um, her attack and all those fears. 
So the assessment tool I thought would be the most beneficial was the OSIRIS, OSIRIS, O-C-A-I-R-S. I think that's the OCARES, sorry. <laughs> I'm literally having a brain fart. Um, because it provides that structure to gather, analyze, and report data on the plant's individual participation within that occupation. Um, so this would help me as the occupational therapist to create a treatment plan with goals that would also monitor her progress over time. Um, since she did get back in the water so quick, I can see that time within like the weeks that I do see her um, and also the weeks after. Um, and doing this assessment tool, it helps tie in with my research article, but I would also personally would like to conduct an occupational questionnaire as well, um, which would be a written list of questions formatted as an evaluation to understand a lot more than just the assessment tool I chose. Um, I feel like it could tie more into me getting to know her and what she's passionate about and what she what her goals are and what she would like to do with her goals. Um, so then my intervention for Bethany was to figure out exactly what her goals were and what she wanted to accomplish um, in a meaningful way. So by putting the client's wants and needs and desires first, it would help me to create the perfect intervention approach specifically, specifically designed to her and no one else. Um, in reading her book, I would like to say that she would get back to surfing um, right away. And that's one of her main goals. But um, it's also important that she takes the approach of following her needs um, so then she can get back to surfing and being as independent as possible. Um, such things as like learning how to cook again with one hand and cleaning and putting on clothes and brushing her teeth. And these are all things that she'll have to work through. Um, to maintain her independence. So I thought this model helps support the client's main occupation um, and supports the occupation-centered interventions that are needed to be created for Bethany. So Abby, how did you go about or find assessments and interventions based off of your model? So similar to you, Erin, um, I was thinking about Bethany's mental health through this process um, and I analyze this a little bit more once we get to frame of reference, but I found an article that also spoke about mental health um, when experiencing trauma and specifically using MOHO within the mental health community um, because it stated that currently MOHO's assessment tools aren't often being used within the mental health setting but that the article found significant benefits in impacting the ability to meet the needs of the client in a positive way when using MOHO and um, MOHO's assessment tools such as MOHOST, um, which is a screening tool often used that addresses the majority of MOHO concepts like volition, habituation, uh, communication and interaction skills. Um, so that is why I chose to use the MoHost 
um, assessment with Bethany. And from there, I went on to look at an intervention, which um, in MOHO, it discusses um, the importance of validating, identifying, giving feedback, advising, encouraging, and providing physical support within all interventions. So I want to focus on that while I'm working with Bethany. And since I'm seeing her in her home and she's just after discharge, I really wanna focus on modifying her environment to best support her needs as my client, as well as providing support and encouragement that will help her be most successful. Um, and from there, I just believe that Moho gives me a pretty great understanding of who Bethany is as a client and how I can perceive her occupations and what is most meaningful to her. I think it allows me to view the client as a whole, what impacts her occupations and how this impacts her as a person. Um, and I think there's many other options for assessments that I can use such as AMPS um, and OCARES that as well as the interest checklist that I think I can use um, after going through MoHost to just see what else I can do for Bethany. Um, and I just believe MoHo will give me client-centered care focused within my role as the occupational therapist um, and provides a great foundation for my interventions as well as intervention techniques. Awesome. Thank you, Abby. And listeners, we're running out of time right now. So please stay tuned for episode two. Don't forget to subscribe. And let's tune in for our sponsors, Grippies, the socks that help you no slip or grip in the shower tub. Listeners, please stay tuned for episode two coming soon for you. Welcome back to Lucinda Dale's research group of four males, four females, one male, it's a clever name. Welcome to episode two of our podcast, sponsored by Grippies, the compression socks with no slip and grips, no slip in the showers, safe ADLs. Uh, Abby, getting back to you on the evaluation of the OBM, you mentioned and touched base on MOHO, the model of human occupation. Did you find any gaps when you were using this model and when or if you would use this model for your client, Bethany? Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I personally did not find any gaps within this occupation-based model. Um, I, again, felt like this would give me a great perspective on Bethany, although I can see the if Bethany does not maintain motivation or she has struggles maintaining or seeing her occupational identity and habituation after her attack and once returning home, I do think it would be difficult to use this model on her. However, I have hope that it would work well for Bethany and allow us to progress in a positive manner to best 
suit her needs and her goals as my client. Erin, how did you evaluate your model and how do you foresee it working with Bethany as our client? So I think that since CMOP is a client-centered model, um, I thought it would be great to use because it understands the client because it strictly focuses on what she wants to get out of therapy um, and looks at those meaningful goals that are important to her. So what I found was that this model helps me as the OT to understand Bethany at a deeper level um, since she wants to focus on on like the aspects she wants to focus on and what she wants to get out of therapy. I didn't, um, like in my article, it was hard to really find any gaps, but one gap with using this model that I thought could tie in and become a gap is if she is not highly motivated to get back to what is meaningful to her. So that is being able to go back to professional surfing. Um, this could create a difficult treatment plan and also create a little bit of difficulty when creating goals for her if she wasn't motivated. But in Bethany's case, um, although she had fears and doubts that she would never get back to the water, she maintained high hope through Christianity and with the support from her family and friends, it motivated her even more to get back to surfing. Um, so I do not see Bethany necessarily having any gaps within the CMOP model. And I think that she would strive to get back into that water because she is a very, she's very highly motivated to get back. And it's very noticeable when you read the book, how um, important it is to her and how much this has impacted her life in almost a good way as well. So Jonathan, did you have any gaps while um, evaluating your OBM? Grippies. No, I'm kidding. Um, the gaps, like I, with Kawa, the biggest gap and obstacle with Kawa model is, I kind of touched base on this before, it's kind of unconventional. It's a bit unfamiliar. It's just not a traditional model. Like in my head, I imagine some clients being hesitant and engaging with the Kawa model because of how foreign it is. <clears throat> like with Abby's Moho, it's widely used. It's hugely popular. The call model definitely is not a one-size-fit-all situation, but like a lot of information can be obtained from the call model through symbolism. It could be therapeutic. It, it addresses like interpersonal conflict or not interpersonal conflict, sorry, internal conflict, motivation, emotional status. It's also like relatively new. So there isn't like a whole lot of evidence when compared to other models. They're like, again, with Moho, there's Moho is so popular and it's so like, it's, it's standard. And from my understanding, Moho is just, there's so much data out there, evidence-based practice data that you could grab from Moho. But because Kawa is so new, there isn't a lot of long-term data with Kawa. And it's like, I want to say it was created back mid-2000s. There's a lot of variation in dates, but it's relatively new. That was 
the biggest gap that I found or I thought of? Well, going into your frame of references, Abby, what was the focus for your frame of reference? So for my frame of reference, I chose sensory integration. And the focus of the sensory integration frame of reference is how sensation impacts the occupations of clients and their occupational performance. Um, we know that sensations have an important role and play on people's attention and alert them to various aspect, aspects of the environment and guide their interactions with objects and others. And I chose this frame of reference um, due to the complex trauma that Bethany experienced. And there was an article that I found that spoke on how trauma and children impacts the um, sensory integration and often causes sensory dysfunction due to the traumatic experience. Um, so I thought this was well fit for Bethany due to the intense amount of trauma that she experienced from her injury at just 13 years old. So I really felt that it was important to incorporate sensory integration um, to allow her to reach her independence, more specifically with getting back into the water and being able to handle all the sensory inputs that come along with returning to the water, returning back home and to the ocean and all of these places where she might be triggered and remember what happened and what caused her to lose her left upper extremity. And within this frame of reference, it's seen that therapeutic change occurs through sensory input in the context of interaction with the environment. So I felt this was important with her returning back to the water. We know she wants to get back in the water and get back to surfing. So um, I don't want to avoid the water for her and avoid those sensory inputs because that can cause more significant dysfunction. Um, so it's important to take into account the sensory needs of Bethany, our client, when adapting the frame of reference and any interventions we do for her when helping her go back into the water. Um, so that is what I chose, sensory integration, and why I chose it. Erin, um, which frame of reference did you choose and what made you lean towards that frame of reference? So I chose the biomechanical and rehabilitative frame of reference. Um, I personally chose this one just because I like the aspect that um, the biomechanical four is used for individuals with musculoskeletal injuries would deal with excessively, um, exclusively with the capacity for motion and useful, and which are useful for assessments, interventions, and evaluations. Um, while the rehabilitative four is used for clients who need adaptations, compensations, and or environmental modifications. Um, this goes hand in hand with Bethany because she has to adapt to a whole new environment of um, 
not having her left upper extremity anymore. So she has to adapt to her cooking, cleaning, um, even using her surfboard again. And just like it states in the book, they put a handle on her surfboard um, just to make it e easier for her to be able to still surf. And they made those adaptations to allow her to continue what she really is passionate and loves, which I thought was amazing. Um, together, these two help OTs look at the client holistically. So our goal as OTs in this frame of reference is occupational performance. So for Bethany, I focus on her amputated arm. So I focus more on the re rehabilitative approach to help her adapt to her environment more than I did the biomechanical approach, just because I thought that since she was only out for a month before returning back to surfing, that she may not have lost um, necessarily much upper strength in her other limb. So I thought it was more important to focus on how she would adapt to everything outside um, of the hospital and now that she's at home. Um, they did um, give her a prosthesis, but she did not necessarily like the prosthesis and she has actually been with, haven't, hasn't used it um, much or at all since. So I found that the biomechanical um, frame of reference changes occur through the position exercises while the rehabilitative aspect changes through manipulation of environmental conditions and which is motivated by her desire um, to be still be a surfer. So this four takes Bethany from losing the limb to not knowing when or if she'll ever be back to surfing to be able to use this model and adapt to her environment, which allows for task performance and restoring individual movement um, in her upper extremity. So I applied this four in a way of focusing on her affected side and the environment aspects. Um, when it came to like interventions, so I focused more on offering an increased amount of um, rehabilitative aspects, um, making sure that she's still able to adapt to her environment. Um, so for example, that prosthesis helped for a little bit with her, but she ended up not liking it. So that didn't adapt to her, adapt to her environment um, in a way that she can still like clean her clothes, do her laundry, all that stuff, cooking, um, do her grooming and stuff. So I thought that a good invention would be to make sure her environment is safe in order for her to navigate just because of her limb loss and that the prosthesis didn't necessarily work for her. Um, for example, I would want to educate her on how to cut, um, fruits and vegetables or foods in general, um, with her, um, one arm and be able to use adaptive devices to aid in increasing her independence, um, along with focusing on that safety aspect. So when it came to interventions, it was more about focusing on making sure her, envir her environment was still safe for her, considering her limb loss and, how she could still maintain independence through that. So Jonathan, um, how did you um, go about your 
for and how did you come up with interventions and um, what is the focus behind it? So I chose my framework reference, applied behavioral paired with the column model, the applied behavioral framework reference can be utilized in necessary and much needed dimensions. Again, mental health, motivation. So applied behavioral framework reference can be, can be applied in order to promote appropriate mental health and maintain Bethany's motivation. It's clear that she loves surfing way more than snowboarding. So it can help keep surfing in the picture the whole grand scheme of her life. And if she wants to add snowboarding on top of that, then that's, that's wicked also. We'll promote whatever the client wants to lead an independent, appropriate, healthy lifestyle. We're gonna grasp that intrinsic motivation and use it as a momentum to push forward with intervention. In terms of analyzing our frame of reference for applied behavioral, to replace, you could use applied behavioral in reference to replace maladaptive behaviors with appropriate and socially acceptable behaviors. Maladaptive behaviors prevent Bethany from achieving a fluid, healthy, appropriate, independent lifestyle. And, but the problem is applied behavioral frame of reference is mostly geared towards children, maybe adolescents, like, it's been observed, researched, and well-supported for decades. Like there's so much evidence, evidence-based practice, evidence-based research, and it's clear that it works. Applied behavior 100% works. We could like look at ABA, applied behavioral analysis. There's an entire field of therapy based off of this frame of reference. Applied behavioral frame of reference and ABA can help lead individuals with specific needs live a healthy, independent lifestyle. It simply takes time and patience. There's a slow learning curve, depending on the age, depending on the potential, the occupational performance range for the client, like Bethany. But again, like she was 13, 14, in terms of her, her traumatic incident. It may work, it may not. It just depends on her motivation. Let's say it does work. Hypothetically, like she's on board, column model, applied behavioral, like let's go. Interventions that we can utilize include positive reinforcement, like that's always a go-to. Thank you, Pavlov. You can use token economies, behavioral contracts, time interval reinforcement, ratio interval reinforcement, like the list goes on. There's so much that we could work with. There's so many tools in this toolbox for applied behavioral that we could use to help Bethany get back into the water, get up on her surfboard, even addressing her, her mental health. Like, is she traumatized? Is she scared? Does she have a fear of getting into the deep water areas? Like, well, token economies, maybe not so, because that's usually for like young kids. We're talking about preschool, maybe elementary school. The last time I used a token economy was when I was in second grade. And even then, like seven years old, I, I wasn't on board with it. It had no meaning to me. So it didn't work for me. So it depends on Bethany if she's on board with it or not. And keep in mind, she's 13, 14 years old, she's a teenager. It may work, it may not. So I'm kind of, I chose it because 
it was just the frame of reference I was most familiar with. My ABA history, like it's, it works, but maybe not for Bethany. But based on the textbook and this, my search from like research articles, applied behavioral is mostly aimed towards like children. Bethany is arguably on that border cusp of like a, a child and teenager. And it works at its most effective level with children, not so much adults. Adolescents, once you get to adolescence, kind of steer away from applied behavioral. Maybe it depends on the client's um, mental age, not chronological age. But Bethany is neurotypical, so I'm kind of like hesitant with this frame of reference. I do like the biomechanical frame of reference and sensory integration frame of reference much more than applied behavioral. So I think Abby, like, is there anything else that you like to talk about with your OBM frame of reference, like an overall integration assessment, like how, just in summary and conclusion. Sure, um, I do want to emphasize Jonathan, your point on your frame of reference, um, the importance of that client-centered care that we practice. Um, I know that your frame of reference may not fit for Bethany's age, but like you mentioned, it may still work depending on what Bethany is looking for. I really appreciate that input. Um, but for my frame of reference, I do think it is best fit due to it helping us identify aspects of our client Bethany that may not be a first priority for other therapists, especially since mental health is still up and coming within our practice, but it is a very important aspect for all of our clients. Um, I do think it may lack some addressing of strength and range of motion or endurance that other frame of reference like the bio medical does, but I still believe it is applicable within interventions, such as modifying the home by installing um, maybe a soap dispenser in the shower for Bethany, especially a motion activated dispenser or changing door levers inside the home instead of door knobs, as well as the importance of educating on phantom limb pain. Those were the interventions I came up for my assessment. But overall, I think that center integration will work really well for Bethany and the rate that she wants to get back in the water. Um, I think her mental health is a huge priority after such an event at such a young age. It's important to focus on that to make sure that she's able to fulfill those occupations their life and so that she does not face um, mental health issues later in life if we ignore that within our assessments. Erin, how would you summarize your plan of frame of reference and did you come up with any other interventions within your plan or find any um, issues with your frame of reference? Um, so 
My interventions were pretty straightforward when I um, discussed them earlier. I just wanted to work with Bethany um, on the biomechanical aspect of strengthening um, her arm. Um, this is obviously because of the prosthesis. Um, I think it's so important to make sure that she's strengthening and keeping her body um, maintained throughout this time because we don't want to lose any muscle mass. Um, this could make it a lot harder for her to maintain and still um, be, be the surfer that she wants to be. Um, I thought that the biomechanical and rehabilitative approach in four was a good um, model to use just because it is important for clients after a limb loss to maintain um, muscular strength and um, the ability to adapt. And I thought that both of the um, biomechanical and rehabilitative both discussed how that would be important for her. Um, but I think overall with her being a new amputee, um, that this was a good model. However, hearing from both you guys and your models, I think that really they all just can work very well for her. I don't think one is necessarily greater than the other. I think all the aspects that you guys have said has kind of opened my eyes to say, wow, like there's more than just one approach to this. And it's kind of neat to see that because we've all taken our fours and our OBMs in two different ways um, because of the ones we've chose. But I think that we've all talked about the education and safety aspect. And I think that's good, something that has been nice to hear from everyone. Um, and then when it came to putting these both my OBM and my four together. I honestly thought that, like you said, Abby, the mental health aspect is important because you never know if she's gonna go through anything mental health related in the future. And so I thought that was really important to kind of keep tabs on, but using the CMOP and the biomechanical rehabilitation, rehabilitative um, four created a good assessment um, and intervention for how I looked at it um, to help meet her needs because it allows for that client-centered approach for both models, um, especially when she needs to relearn how to use her arm, um, especially if that's not, you know, her dominant arm. It can be hard to kind of relearn how to maneuver things and write and cook and clean and all those aspects. Um, but both theories are important for her because of that motivation for her. And it really ties into that personal occupational environment aspect, um, which I thought was really nice. And that since it is client-centered, client it really is all about the motivation for her to want to strive to surf again. So I just thought it was really cool to see how my models have both kind of combined into one. Um, even though I didn't have necessarily the best articles for them, I still thought it was pretty cool how I could think about how I wanted to evaluate her, how I would 
plan treatments for her. So Jonathan, how about you? I mean, I definitely want to hear about your, um, how your four worked for Bethany and then also your kind of conclusions about your four and your OBM. So for my OBM, I would definitely go with the call model 100% hands down. Personally, I just think it just, it fits her, it fits her situation, it fits her deficit. As long as Bethany is on board with the call model, then we would definitely have a great understanding of her emotions, her health, mental health status, her level of motivation. Like, does she, does she think she's ready to get back into the water? Does she want a career change? Like, move towards snowboarding, understanding where she where she stands in terms of mental health, emotional status, motivation level will give us a sense of how to approach with the intervention. Well, with the like, frame of reference, are we going to use applied behavioral, sense integration, biomechanical frame of reference? To me, it kind of just depends on the data from the column model. But knowing what we know as a whole, it would definitely be biomechanical, in my opinion. Like Aaron, you said like there is no like answer that's better than the other, but not to take anything away from you, in my opinion, I definitely can rank them because like I said, the applied behavioral mostly geared towards like children and like, yeah, just children. Like it works best with children. But with the biomechanical frame of reference, we could address adaptation for range of motion, utilize adaptive equipments, like with the surfboard, you said, and like when she's ready to get back in the water. Abby mentioned like phantom limb pain, like that's something I, I can't address with applied behavioral. Maybe I can't, but with the knowledge that I have right now, I can't think of an intervention. All I can do, positive reinforcement, token economy, like that's, that's, my toolbox with applied behavior and I don't really see it working as effective as biomechanical and sensor integration. But in order for like why an OT would need these theories, like first and foremost, motivation. Like motivation determines the rate of progression to independent self-care. That is like one of the top priorities, if not the type. If Bethany has zero motivation to work towards independence, then what are we doing? Like, there will be absolutely zero progress here. We can also address mental health and emotions. Second, all of these models and frames of references are just different tools in our toolbox I mentioned that allow us to take different approaches for different clients. You can't use a hammer for every project. You can't use a Phillips screwdriver to change a car tire. Like, the more we know, the more diverse population we care for ultimately. And that's the whole goal for OT. Expanding care to everyone, like through a wide, diverse population and including Bethany. Um, before I close out, is there anything that you two want to mention? I just wanted to reemphasize your guys' statements about how the importance of having many varieties of occupation-based models and frame of reference, because um, it will allow us as therapists to treat our clients in the way that will suit them best. There's not one right or wrong answer for our client, and I believe that 
sharing our thoughts on our models and frame of reference really showed this through um, Bethany, our client. Yeah, I can also agree with Abby. I think that just hearing from everyone, it's been very eye-opening um, experience, especially when these models, you know, Jonathan, I really enjoyed your call model. And I think that one, definitely you can rank that one as the top one in our situation um, because it adds so much value and information based off of her, you know, being 13 years old. Um, yeah, I just... I've learned a lot from you guys, so I'm really grateful we, we've done this. Awesome. Applied behavioral sensory integration, biomechanical, all different toolboxes. Thank you guys for listening to Lucinda Dale's Research Team for Males and tune in for our next podcast sponsored by Grippies. Compression socks that slip with grip, that do not slip with grip, excuse me, occupational therapy, tuning out. Have a great day. Thank you.